Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Sasha Barbagat with you. Do you ever find yourself at the self-serve checkout and the cost of that week's shopping is going up and up and been tempted to just not scan something? Well, just last week, the Australian Senate announced an inquiry into supermarket prices, just as Coles and Woolies had been complaining about surging rates of theft in their stores. I think people who might be being opportunistic from an organised crime perspective or whether because they have some challenges with cost of living pressures would be more likely than a sort of a revenge type escalation. Well, today we look at what's behind all this shoplifting and ask, are the supermarkets' own actions coming back to bite them? That fascinating conversation in the second half of the ep with Bensian Siebert. But first, let's get into today's headlines with Katrina Blowers. It's Tuesday the 12th of December. Hey, Sasha. Hi, everyone. Well, more than half of us are struggling financially or we're facing serious money problems, and that's driving up distrust of the government. So these are the results of The Guardian's final essential poll of 2023, which surveys around a 1,000 people every fortnight. It's tracked a sharp downturn in the number of Aussies who say they believe both state and territory and federal governments are trustworthy. Now, if we compare that to the August 2020 poll, which was the height of the pandemic response, 60% of Aussies surveyed felt looked after by the states and territories, and 55% felt that way about the federal government. Negative perceptions of PM Anthony Albanese have also increased this year with the gap between him and opposition leader Peter Dutton narrowing, but Albo is still slightly ahead according to this poll. I guess, Sasha, this echoes sentiments in other opinion polls that we've seen this year. Um, We've had a few things going on. I mean, not only cost of living, um, which is really biting people hard as a lot of people come off their fixed mortgage rates, but um, also, you know, we can't underestimate the impact of that long, protracted, bitter campaign, which uh, eventually led to people voting no on The Voice. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like it's been a bit of a tough year, doesn't it? I think... uh you know, voter frustrations as expressed in this poll, just they're not surprising. It's what we're seeing right across the board and we've been seeing since January. So the price of essentials, almost three quarters think it'll get more expensive. Housing is also a big concern, of course. And 77%, according to this poll, said they wanted more done on electricity prices. Now, it's worth noting as well, these were all key election promises by the Albanese government. And I do think he's kind of facing a bit of a race against time at the moment to claw back some support because Anthony Albanese and the Labor government is losing it because not enough's being done about the cost of living and that's what everyone's the most concerned about at this point. COP28 was on the verge of a historic deal to phase out fossil fuels, but a draft resolution has changed the action to a reduction rather than a phase-out. Leaders in support of the phase-out of fossil fuels, including Australia's Pacific neighbours, were shocked after the draft was released, with a Samoan minister saying his country will not sign our own death certificates. Now, after days of intense negotiations, the breakthrough deal to phase out fossil fuels was just out of reach as summit organisers urged flexibility from delegates. Now, Katrina, I find that language interesting flexibility on climate change, you know, I think we're kind of past the point of, you know, trying to decide whether we should be phasing out or phasing down fossil fuels. Climate change is here. We need to act. 
Yeah. Look, at least though, it's finally that that elephant in the room is finally being addressed because for years and years now, there's been talk about reducing emissions without even mentioning fossil fuels. And, you know, finally, they're having that conversation about whether oil, gas and coal have a place in a climate-friendly future. Um, if you ask uh, anyone in the Pacific Island nations, they will say no. You know, they're saying that signing this agreement would be signing their uh, watery grave. So I guess now we've got to go back to the table. Another resolution is going to be drafted up and uh, presented to the 200 countries in the next 24 hours or so. Uh, the US State Department has called for the draft agreement language to be strengthened. Interestingly, the EU has said the language was disappointing. Um, we haven't heard yet from China, who is the world's biggest emitter of greenhouse gases. So we need to hear from them. Deals at the UN Climate Summit must be passed by consensus among the nearly 200 countries present. So that is a very high bar. But look, encouraging that at least we are talking about this for the very first time. Another thing that came out uh, of COP28 overnight was uh, the UN Food and Agriculture Organization has released a food roadmap aimed at lowering emissions. Now, it made 120 recommendations. Among them, they told the West to stop eating, or I should say, eat less red meat and uh, turn to chicken, saying that that would actually help in the long run. It's not a surprise. We know that beef is one of the biggest contributors to emissions. Uh, but yeah, this this roadmap being released for the whole world, specifically singling out the West to uh, maybe uh, avoid that weekly steak. Yeah, but I still think emissions from burning fossil fuels are the main driver of climate change. So let's get real about that. And, uh, you know, we, we really need to make sure that we finally address that and um, sign a draft agreement that sets out some very specific targets. Absolutely. Donald Trump has decided he won't be testifying in his own defence in his New York fraud case, posting to Truth Social that he, quote, has nothing more to say. That would be a first. <laughs> uh, Trump was set to take the stand for a second time on Monday in the ongoing trial against him. His eldest sons, Don Jr. and Eric, and other Trump organisation executives, but has decided not to. Now, Trump was questioned and accused last month by the prosecution of exaggerating the value of real estate assets by billions of dollars to obtain more favourable bank loans and insurance terms. Now, um, Sasha, we did a, a really great briefing topic with um, Chaz Licadello all about Trump and his campaign next year and, you know, all the legal trials and tribulations that he's got going on. And Chaz made the point that even though every single time Trump gets a lot of media coverage, it doesn't look particularly presidential for him to be, you know, taking the stand and, and having these, these legal issues going on. So perhaps that was the strategy behind him not testifying. I'd say that was a contributor, but also we can't forget in this same fraud trial uh, last month, uh, he did take to the stand and he ended up losing his temper. He went on all these rants and rambling monologues. Uh, he also verbally attacked the judge and he ended up being fined 10 grand for violating a gag order. And then once he got off, uh, Judge Engeron ruled that he wasn't a credible witness. So uh, yeah, I don't think that looked particularly presidential either. 
And the Golden Globes nominations have been announced. Unsurprisingly, Barbie has dominated Greta Gerwig's much-hyped flick. It was also the highest-grossing film of 2023 so far. Uh, it earned nine nods, including Best Film in the Comedy Musical category, Best Director and Best Actress for our very own Margot Robbie. Now, of course, the other big movie of 2023 was Oppenheimer, and that wasn't far behind. It got eight noms. And on the TV side of things, Succession dominated there, up for Best Drama Series, and eight of its actors are in line for gongs, including Aussie Sarah Snook. Good night for the Aussies, it looks like. Uh, The Crown, Last of Us, and 1923 were among the others to score nods in the Best Drama category. And uh, it'll be the 81st Golden Globes. They'll be held in the new year on January 7. We don't know who the host is yet, Katrina. I think Ricky Gervais last year said that he wouldn't be coming back. He's a... He's quite polarising when he hosts the Globes, but, I mean, lots of people love him. Uh, personally, I, I loved him, and you just don't want these things to be vanilla, do you? You want them to be entertaining because, essentially, you know, even though there's famous people there, there's still an awards night, and awards nights generally are pretty boring unless they involve you or someone you know. So, yeah, I hope they don't go with somebody really bland. What was your uh, top uh, film or TV show of 2023? Yeah, look, I know a lot of people didn't love Barbie because they – I guess, found it a bit disappointing. I did. I thought it was the film that I needed to watch in 2023. It was, you know, it gave me heaps of laughs and I haven't had a huge number of laughs with everything going on in the news cycle this year. So yeah, loved Barbie, loved Margot Robbie. Yeah, fair. I haven't seen it yet, but it's on my to-do list over the Christmas New Year break. Succession was my top TV show of the year. I hope they win. And Sarah Snook too. All right, Katrina, we'll leave it there. Now, a really interesting chat with Bensie and Siebert about what's behind an increase in shoplifting at Coles and Woolies. Is stealing at self-serve checkouts having a bit of a cultural moment in Australia? A recent Australian study found that more than half of 18 to 34-year-olds believe taking something without paying for it is justifiable. I don't know about you, but some people in my circles have definitely been talking to me about how they steal a steak or a vegetable from Coles and Woolworths without paying for it. And at the same time, Coles and Woolies now ask customers to do the work that they used to pay people to do, putting groceries through the checkouts. And both of them have raised profit margins on food sales during what is a cost of living crisis. So are shoppers taking their revenge? I spoke to the Australian Retailers Association's Fleur Brown to find out. Looking at the data, Although rates of retail theft have been falling across Australia broadly since the early 2000s, major supermarkets like Coles and Woolworths have recorded pretty sharp rises in theft in their stores over the past year. What is this put down to? One answer to the question, they are capturing more of these instances than many of the other retailers would be. Um, We know with a lot of small businesses, for example, they simply don't report. Unfortunately, there has been an elevated level of different sorts of crime around theft being part of it, also settling back to sort of that pre-pandemic level. So we did see a natural drop in theft when lockdowns and restrictions were on because there were less people out in that kind of position. There's also a paucity of data when it comes to the reasons that this might be occurring. 
a contributing factor would certainly be cost of living crisis. There's a bit of a rise in organised crime as a consequence of that. And so some of the items that are being reported as being stolen are sort of those resaleable items as well, or the sort of larger, more expensive items that might be available for resale. So what we're, we're told by our members is that it's a very small percentage of customers who are creating this ripple effect uh, when it comes to that sort of theft. Well, let's focus for the moment on um, customer theft. Do you think that some people are stealing as a kind of revenge or just out of desperation that they can't afford the groceries that they're buying? Well, look, I would hope not. And, you know, there's a range of things that you could speculate about when it comes to this sort of theft. Again, to emphasise it is a very small percentage of customers. I think the idea of revenge theft is probably unlikely. I think people who might be being opportunistic from an organised crime perspective or whether because they have some challenges with cost of living pressures would be more likely than a sort of a revenge type escalation, that's for sure. There are certainly avenues when it comes to food provision and that sort of thing. And, and I know the supermarkets do work quite closely with organisations like Oz Harvest to make those contributions available and to match funding for those programs and initiatives, you know, to help people who are in that situation. But I think more broadly, it's really important to emphasise that it's not a victimless crime when people are stealing. There's a whole ripple effect of the impact of that, you know, from the individual who steals, you know, it is a criminal offence and, you know, that can end up um, as a blight on their record, you know, for a start. Uh, and there's also a wave of other impacts such as some customers experience the stress of that incident. There are sometimes elevated prices because of the high impact of the cost of, of retail crime. And of course, staff having to tackle this in the front lines. They've had to tackle a lot over the last three years. There's quite a lot of concern around wellbeing. There's quite a lot of stress out there with the frontline staff when it comes to these issues. Unfortunately, what we've seen alongside this is a spike in the severity of associated crimes like assaults and attacks. And even in some cases, there have been some deaths reported. And so there is quite a lot of stress around that for retail workers who are in the front line. And that's been a primary focus going more broadly than supermarkets now for our members. That's been the most consistent issue for them, which is why we've been working closely with the unions on that. In terms of that um, abuse that you spoke about, what are retailers doing and what can they do to protect their workers? At this time of year, you, you've got more people in store and you've got more staff out and about. And that's, I think, a positive when it comes to minimising you know, that kind of activity, just that sort of sense of a lot of people being around, lots of eyes in the situation, I guess. There has been ramping up of store security by some retail operations. Many retailers, even if they're small, now have the ability to have CCTV cameras in place. And of course, they've CCTV's been around for decades, so it's not a new thing, but it's had a flow-on effect to smaller retailers. And police tell us that that is the primary and most important, apart from reporting the crime in the first place, that's you know, a really prime way of um, being able to reduce that kind of criminal activity, whether it's assaults and, and that sort of thing, or if it's theft. So that's a big one. And then for, the, for some of the larger players, like the supermarkets, they've been trialling certain types of technology in some locations um, quite successfully. And part of that trialling involves the customer feedback. So they're certainly not of a mind to introduce something if the customers 
on the whole don't appreciate it. Um, so those pilots have been quite successful. So you might have seen reports of things like the at the self-service checkout, you've got a motion detection camera, which then captures whether or not a payment has been made. And then there, in some locations, there's a, a gate that holds someone there if, the, if that payment hasn't been made. And obviously, then there's a staff intervention at that point. In terms of self-serve checkouts, do you think it's been a mistake over the past decade or so to ask customers to do work that supermarkets used to pay people to do? Look, you can ask that of lots of new technology uh, and there's always, as we know from that sort of that curve of the introduction of new technology, there is always a resistance stage. I don't think we're going to be turning the clock back on that, even though there's been some rumours about that from overseas, but it is quite specific responses that have been put in place in specific locations overseas. But certainly in this market, I don't think we'll see the clock turned back on that. There is a myth that there's less staff around. In fact, the supermarkets, certainly our member supermarkets have been growing staff and using staff in other ways, you know, with more um, direct customer engagement and that sort of thing. So, I think you'll find that the supermarkets study customer responses pretty closely because at the end of the day, they need that customer approval. I think on the whole, there might be some irritations around it. We've all had those those irritations personally, but you know, on the whole, they're probably perceived as quite an efficient option in certain situations, depending on what kind of load you're putting through. Fleur Brown from the Australian Retailers Association there. And Coles and Woolies both tell us that they've reduced their prices on hundreds of products and that they have specials on thousands of products. And stealing is a crime, no doubt about it. But as people pack their own shopping bags in supermarkets that make billion-dollar profits during a cost-of-living crisis, it seems some people are simply refusing to hold up their end of the bargain. Listener.